They fail to recognize that Jesus is God, and God has no peer. And Jesus was even different than the Old Testament prophets, because they would say, thus saith the Lord. But Jesus would say, I say to you. Is there someone you are so intimately familiar with, so close to, that you could actually speak on their behalf? I mean, legitimately speak on their behalf. Perhaps a spouse, perhaps a family member, perhaps someone you work with. Christ actually presumed to speak on behalf of God. And we're going to hear more about that as we continue this series with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno in the book of John. Welcome to Study Verse by Verse, an outreach of Church of the Highlands. And I'm Mike Trout. And continuing his study in John, here's Pastor Leighton. So here was this Galilean carpenter, man with no formal training whatsoever, daring to expound and explain the scriptures to them. Uh, Jesus' reply is direct and devastating. He answered them and said, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. It was true that he had not received his information from any human institution, but that did not mean that what he was teaching was merely his own opinion, as the authorities implied. Jesus said, in effect, you asked me who my teacher was? You asked me by what authority I expound the scripture? My authority is God. Jesus claimed to be God taught. And he makes that claim again and again. In John 12, he says, I have not spoken on my own authority. The father who sent me has himself given me the commandment what to say and what to speak. And in John 14, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Now, only Jesus had the perfect knowledge of the Father, where he could speak on behalf of the Father. You remember, as we began our study in the Gospel of John, we looked at the very first verse, and it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word with there suggests face-to-face communication, that all through eternity past, God the Father and God the Son were face-to-face engaged in conversation. Only God the Son knows God the Father so much he could speak on behalf of God the Father. Now, Jesus' persistent resistance was a constant source of irritation to religious leaders. When they could not persuade Jesus to fall in line with their system, they then tried to discredit him. And when they failed at discrediting him, they tried to silence him. That, by the way, is the same system that is used today to remove unwanted leaders in churches, in politics, and in business. If they won't go with the flow, if they won't come under control, then there's an attempt to marginalize them, to either frame them or accuse them. And if that fails, then the next step is to eliminate them, ideally by some kind of accident. And if that's not possible, then by assassination. It is the same technique that's used today. Verse 17, if anyone's will is to do the God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Oftentimes, Jesus was asked to perform some sign to prove his authenticity by those who were unbelievers. For instance, just the previous chapter, we remember that Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 men plus women and children 
when he went away, that, crew, that group, that crowd, followed and found him. And then he made claims, and they said, show us a sign. They had just seen the sign. It doesn't matter to someone who chooses to not believe. It does not matter how much evidence you place in front of them. They have chosen to not believe. Now, there's an adage, an old adage, that says the proof of the pudding is in the eating of it. Right? How do you know that Sherry's pie is really good? Go and try it out. Eat it. By the way, it is. <laughs> the proof of the pudding is in the eating. There are some invitations that we have in the Old Testament, such as Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. You know, there has to be an attitude of love for God and for his word. Someone has said that human knowledge must be known to be loved. But divine knowledge must be loved to be known. So the Lord's challenge to the crowd was simple. If they would humble themselves before God's word to accept, know, and obey it, then they would come to the sure realization that he was true and what he said was truly from God. That challenge still stands 2,000 years later. It's an assurance made in this verse as a promise to every genuine believer. And it's made possible through the work of the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth about Christ within us and through manifestations that demonstrate that Christ's word is true. There are promises, by the way, throughout the Old Testament that are similar. For instance... God promised, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him if you seek for him with all your heart and all your soul. Deuteronomy 4.29. Jeremiah 29.13. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Now, the reason that many people don't feel like they've ever found God is because they never really sought God with all their heart. They only sought God half-heartedly. And God never promised that you would find him if you only sought him half-heartedly. But God promised if you sought him with all of your heart, you would find him. But we're so easily distracted by the things of this world when we really should put our heart, our whole heart, into seeking God. Now, accepting or rejecting the claims of Jesus is not merely an intellectual exercise because there are moral and spiritual implications involved. Those who willingly seek and obey the truth will find it, and it will set them free from their slavery to sin and sin's results. But those who reject the truth prove themselves to be children of their father, the devil, and unless they repent, they will share his fate. Verse 18 The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him there is no falsehood. So Jesus provides us here two characteristics of false teachers. Now, there are more characteristics. Jesus is focusing on two right here. 
First off, he says that a false teacher speaks from himself, that is, on his own authority, not God's authority. He's not speaking on behalf of God. And he will oftentimes mix truth with untruth. If he tried to give you a message that was totally untrue, it would be easy for anybody to figure out it's a false teacher. So false teachers usually merge untruth with truth. And they speak on their own authority, not on God's authority. And secondly, they seek their own glory, not God's glory. They invariably proclaim their own message to attract followers for personal gain, whether that be power, prestige, or prosperity. They are by nature divisive because they're trying to separate from the flock those they can gather into their own following, and they tend to take glory in the size of their following. I have so many following me. Their goal is not to feed the flock, but to fleece the flock. Instead of seeking to honor God, they seek to honor themselves. Jesus rebuked the scribes and Pharisees because they like to do things to be noticed by men. They love the place of honor at banquets and the chief seats in the synagogues. They love to respectful greetings in the marketplace, and they love to be called rabbi by men. Today it would be pastor or reverend. And for appearance sake, they offered long prayers. They were experts at appearing spiritually superior. By contrast, Jesus was gentle and humble in heart. The Bible says of him, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And in chapter 13 of this gospel, it tells the story of how Jesus voluntarily chose to wash his disciples' feet, a task that only the lowest of slaves would perform. But it was yet another example of Jesus fulfilling his statement that he had not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 19, has not Moses given you the law and yet none of you keeps the law? Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon who is seeking to kill you. Now, the law of Moses was made to reveal sin, not to save us from sin. God is the only one who can save us from our sin through the Savior that he has sent, who we know to be Jesus Christ. But the religious establishment had warped and twisted the law into being taught as a means of salvation. And they refused to be convicted by the fact that they could never keep the law. No matter how much they tried, no matter how much they studied, they could not keep the law. And that's what Jesus said. You don't keep the law. This is what he was saying. If breaking the law justifies killing, and you're trying to kill me, why aren't you killing each other? Because none of you keep the law. Why are you trying to kill me? 
Do you think you know the answer to that question? Well, the answer will come up in the next edition of Study Verse by Verse when we continue on Monday with Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of John, and uh, we'll hear more at this same time then. I hope you can be with us. If you've missed any of the past broadcasts, they're on the web at studyversebyverse.com. And information about Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is on the web at highlands.us. Pastor Leighton is the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands, and they sponsor this broadcast here on this station. If you'd like to join with us as a financial partner, we would love that, and we'd love to know that you listen, as a matter of fact. You can share all those details on the website for the ministry, studyversebyverse.com, and you can share your financial gift as well. That's studyversebyverse.com. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great weekend. Perhaps we'll see you on Sunday at Church of the Highlands, but if not... Hopefully we'll see you on Monday at this same time when we return to open the Word of God and study verse by verse.